Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. I hope you're all doing well. And today's episode, like all the others, it's a cracker. And uh, that's not because of me, that's because of the guests. And today's guest is stand-up comedian Paul McCaffrey. Uh, I believe we probably mentioned this at the beginning of the recording, but we'd never met before. Um, I'd seen I'd seen Paul do stand-up and reached out to him, and, uh, and he happened to be in town uh, doing a show at the Comedy Store, and headed over to, to my little studio in East London, before that, and uh, we had a great chat, Paul, as you're about to find out, has got um, a great knowledge of music and exceptional taste, and we have a really good chinwag. So before we get on with that episode, i just do a big thank you to Mr. 76 for producing this episode. Uh, a lot of love goes out to my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network. Go and check out all the podcasts over there. And if that's not enough and you need some more podcast recommendations, may I suggest you check out the new magazine. Well, it's not new now. It's over a year old. Uh, it's the magazine that I put together with Scroobius Pip and Adam Richardson, who also uh, incidentally does the artwork for Off the Beaten Track. And um, and we're, we're steaming into 2020. We've, we've grown the magazine. Uh, essentially, it's a, a, a magazine all about podcasts. So it's lots of recommendations uh, featuring all your your favourite podcasters. Um, you can read it online at www.podbiblemag.com. Uh, you can buy uh, previous issues on there as well for the price of an envelope and a stamp. And as of 2020, um, when we, we release six, we, we go every two months. Um, and when they come out, they will be available now um, in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, inside the Sunday Time Supplements. So um, you'll get a, a little mag inside your bundle of stuff with the Sunday Times uh, this year. Um, and also we have a podcast to accompany that. We have the Pop Bible podcast. So that's um, me, Pip and Adam. And we chat to the likes of Joe Wilkinson, David Earl, James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Kate Thornton, Cariad Lloyd, um, No Such Thing as Fish, all your favourite podcasters all come on and talk about their pods and the ones that they listen to. So go and check that out. You can find out all about that at podbiblemag.com. Anyway, back to the job at hand, which is introducing today's guest. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with Paul McCaffrey. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. 
go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. We are recording. We are at the WeWork building in Shoreditch. And sitting opposite me today is comedian Paul McCaffrey. Hello. All right? Yeah, good. You? Yeah, good. We've had a little... Uh, now, we should say we've never met before. No, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, mate. And I did say that um, I had seen you um, perform your stand-up yeah. in my hometown. Yeah. And uh, it was where I met previous guests, Rich Wilson and, and Marcus Bergman, um, from doing... And Lee Hurst as well. Um, yeah. Um, uh, who, who have guested on this. Oh, no, Lee hasn't. Lee, Lee guested on the Hard Listing podcast. But... Um, very little culture in grey, so it was nice when someone was putting on something that I can walk to. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was there that I saw you. And, uh, and then through becoming sort of friends with Rich and, uh, and seeing your name sort of come up in conversations and things, I thought, I'm going to reach out to Paul and see if he uh, wants to do this podcast. And it was when, when we spoke briefly before we've just pressed record, we should say we've literally met five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you had a podcast, or you have a podcast. Uh, yes. Well, you... it's sort of in development, which sounds ridiculous, yeah. but yeah. So I've been doing a thing at Radio X about 90s music, which yeah. is obviously sort of the sweet spot for, for me and I guess yourself, a similar age. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been speaking to various sort of guests from that, that prominent people from that period, yeah. and hopefully that will be out at some point, although it's been a long process. Yeah. Wicked. Well, I'm sure we're going to have plenty in common then as this. So. Yeah. Looking at the songs you've chosen, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of me, so this should be a good chat. So, good. as always, we start with um, track one, which is the song with the greatest ever intro. Yeah, well, I had to think long and hard about this. Um, good. And, and yeah, which is a bit, and, 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 and then this isn't, it's not, I mean, it's a big tune for everyone, I suppose, of a, of a certain age, but it's sort of not 
a, a huge, it's not one of my favourite tunes by any stretch of the imagination, but the track is um, Born Slippy by Underworld, and I think the intro to it is just, uh, it's so emotive. It's kind of one of those where I'm not, I'm not quite sure what this is making me feel, but it's making me feel something. Yeah. There's obviously the association to the film Train Spotting, which I think was probably where I first heard it. I'm yeah. not sure whether it was out prior to that or I don't, I don't I tend to agree with what you're saying there yeah so it kind of reminds me of that time which was obviously a was there a song that sums up that era more than that so what year did that come out 95 96 definitely, I reckon definitely yeah uh, a song I mean don't look back in anger I would say for me is kind of I guess so I guess so anything from what's the story morning glory which at that time it just felt like you couldn't go anywhere without yeah, hearing it yeah. that, you know Wonderwall yeah, I guess there's, there's, yeah, I suppose you know anything kind of. Well, I'm sure we'll get onto Britpop as this this unfolds anyway. Yeah. But I do think, aside from the, the crescendo of of loads of indie kids chanting lager, lager, lager. Yeah, that intro for me, also as a DJ, like when you play that in a club, you can be playing Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, whatever was happening electronically at that point. The minute you drop that intro, the arse drops out of everything and you're just lost in that for, yeah. like, you know, 30 seconds yeah, until, yeah. you know, that beat kicks in. And it's, it's, a, it's a fucking tune, isn't it? It is. I mean, and as an intro, it is just so... Yeah. I mean, weirdly, I think the sort of what follows it isn't, for me, that great. Agree. So it's kind of... It's a bit like that... Um, what was that? Babylon Zoo, the one they used in the Levi advert. Yeah. And, and I think sort of millions of people went out and bought the single and then found that it was only like that. Yeah. Again, that's a good intro, you know. And I think that that bit that they used in the advert yeah. wasn't actually in the song. They had to rework the song. Around that. To have that skit that okay. was, the, was the, 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 you know, the selling point of the advert and the track. Yeah, and yeah. Obviously, when the, the, you know, it all drops out and all of a sudden it's some sort of slow, ploddy, sort of pumpkin-esque It's weird. Tune. It's like, oh, man, this ain't really what I signed up for. No, no, for. absolutely not. And we, literally, I had someone in um, recording, uh, I had Billy from the Subways in uh, yesterday doing this podcast and he was the same, another song that come out in that era that everybody went mad for and then went and bought the single, press play on track one, and realised quite quickly it wasn't the Norman Cook remix was when everybody went out and bought Brimful of Asher. Yeah. And then you hear the actual original and it's like, oh, all right. Well, yeah. Where's, where's all the stuff that's going to make me dance? Yeah, you know? absolutely, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, fan, it's a fantastic intro and it's so, I mean, it puts you exactly back there. Yeah. Still does, I think. Every time I hear it, I'm kind of, I can remember going to watch the film. It was snowing when I watched the film. It's 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 uh, powerful, but it, 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 it's it's the intro is the best part of the song. I kind of when I was thinking about this, I quite like songs that kind of flip flip halfway through, or that kind of so like Stairway to Heaven, for example, sure. where you go like, where does the intro end and the song begin? The Universal by the Small Faces. You familiar with that yeah, track? Of course. Well, it sounds like it starts in black and white and then goes Technicolor yeah. halfway through. Where it's uh, that's a great description. Yeah, so it's sort of I, I, I really like songs like that. Um, I knew I was going to struggle to not then name all of the things that were in contention for <laughs> my, my choices. But I like Pink Floyd, uh, Comfortably Numb is also a very good intro. Wonderful. Where it Wonderful. sounds like the guy's tapping on the bloke's yeah. head. Um, what I want to ask, because um, normally I, uh, you know, I, I do this podcast with lots of musicians, um, but I have had uh, you know the, afore, the aforementioned names I mentioned at the beginning, like Comedians On. Yeah. Do you... 
I mean, we'll get to your, you know, your opening joke and the, you know, and how much importance there is on that. But yeah. Are you a fan of a walkout song? Oh, for me, for your stand-up, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ma- massive. Go on. That's, uh, well, so this year I had Quadrophonia by Quadrophonia. Do you remember the old Belgian? Of course. Yeah. Um, so just because it it, it it starts off with the kind of bleep did, yeah. Did, so blackout. So I, I'm thinking about the kind of musicality yeah. of it, and then there's quite a long, there's quite a long intro on that, and then yeah. the break beat, beat kicks in, yeah. sort of a couple of flashing lights. But um, sometimes you'll try and choose a walkout song that kind of relates to the, the content of whatever show okay. it is you're doing. You know, you probably have more say, I'd say, over what you're going to be walking out to when you're doing an Edinburgh show, because that's, yeah. you know, you're producing that yourself. When you're doing a comedy club, for example, yeah. there is just usually, unless you say, can I come out to this? Sure. There is the stock. Yeah. Sometimes, or often, people will kind of put something that they think fits with me, so I'll get going underground by the jam because I yeah. look a bit moddy or whatever, yeah. or Happy Mondays or something yeah. like that. But um, yeah, certainly in Edinburgh. I'm just trying to think what uh, what else I've had. Re- oh, the Andrew Weatherall remix of Come Home by James. Oh, mate. So I quite like those quite anthemic yeah. sort of... Just uh, that. It, I, mean, I remember hearing that for the first time at, at, at the club that I, I, I still work at now. The Weatherall mix. The Weatherall yeah. mix. Yeah. Uh, and it's just that never-ending trumpet sound. Yeah. And then waiting for that beat to drop. And it's Amazing. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll give it the edge over the original. Like oh, that. so I, ju- I recently did live at the Apollo, and that was my kind of wa- that was my walkout music. Solid choice, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Solid so, choice. Uh, so, I mean, have you got a background in music at all? Not at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's yeah. a huge, huge part of my life. And, and 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 just scrolling through your socials and stuff like that, prepping for this, like, yeah. it, you was the reason I reached out to you was I could tell that you was got massive interest in music, yeah. and so um, that, that's kind of why this is this is happening now. Yeah. Um, so many comedians, and, and even if, you know, we, we, we go back to the 90s, so many of the biggest comedians from the 90s were... Do you think a lot of them are frustrated musicians? Because I looked at... I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like, you know, you see Peter Kay, you see... Um, I mean, just the, the the music that Dom Jolly used. The in, old God Trigger yeah, Happy. Massively, yeah. Vic Reeves had records. Vic Reeves had number one with the stuff. Wonder stuff, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, with yeah. that, Born Free and stuff First like band that. I ever saw, actually. Honestly. The stuff is, yeah. oh, mate, I could talk about them all day long. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, just an incredible, massively underrated songwriter, Miles Hunt. So good. I did Shine On Festival in November. Wonderful. And uh, they had comedy there for the first time, and they, they headline went to watch them. It was so good. They've got so many tunes. Yeah, they're brilliant. And, and you just that forget That first it. album's oh, fantastic. Unbelievable. Um, I believe EMF played that festival as well, didn't I they? didn't see them, but yeah, they yeah. were, yeah, they, they, they um, were on. And, and even like, you know, Lee Evans, these, these people all seem to kind of have music in their sets now. You know, so many of these comedians seem to almost have this kind of hankering to express themselves musically in some yeah. way, shape or form. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would love to have been in a band that's yeah. kind of... You know, I, um, I don't play any instruments. I don't have the... It's, it's a different skill, I think, that yeah. kind of... There's a sort of maths to it, isn't there, almost? To, yeah, to learn an so. instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 and I don't think my brain works in that way. I think I struggle with concentration. Uh, I think to, to sort of sit down and kind of... Yeah, you've got to apply yourself yeah. properly, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so I was never academic in any way, shape or form. So, I don't, you know, not that I think musicians are necessarily academic, but... Yeah. I think at the crucial point of my life, 
I lack that sort of application yeah. to, 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 to learn an instrument. So to, to go back to what I said about um, coming on stage, obviously you've, you, you, uh, it's interesting now that you put a lot of thought into coming out to, to certain music yeah. and then, you know, I've never done anything in, in, in the field of comedy. Is the first joke like the opening single on the album? Is it, is it key to try and pull people in from the off? Yes. I mean, there's various theories to this. I mean, they sort of say your, your opening joke should be your second strongest joke and your closing joke should be your strongest joke. That's, okay. the, kind of, that's the old adage. Um, I think because sometimes when you go out on stage, people are kind of getting used to you. If you're on a mixed bill night, for example, then mm. you might not have been the first act that they've seen. So they're tuning into something different. Sure. The act prior to you might have been, for, for example, I don't do one-liners. I do kind of, I guess, more storytelling. Yeah. They're kind of bigger bits. So you might have had someone that's just been on doing set-up punchline jokes and then you go on and are sort of doing slightly more longer-form stuff. So the first couple of minutes can be people just getting used to a different energy, if you sure. like, or a different style on stage. So if you went out with your biggest joke and they just spent two minutes kind of tuning into you, you've yeah. squ squandered that. So yeah. you have to be, on the one hand, getting their attention and obviously hopefully sort of getting them laughing common sense would say that you would keep your biggest joke that's going to yeah. be that's going to be their parting memory of yeah. you it's sort of like bang that's yeah. uh, um, but you would certainly one of your stronger jokes would be something you'd open with because you want to make an impression when you're hitting the, hitting the stage okay well we're, we're talking of, of, of first jokes we're going to go to first songs and, uh, and I want to know what the first track was uh, that had an emotional impact on you Paul now this um and this, I can remember this clearly when my, when my mum used to put this on, in, or when this used to come on the car when we listened to the ra uh, the radio with my mum, was Golden Brown by The Stranglers, which used to make me think of death. Um, and I had the same relationship with Let's Dance by David Bowie. I don't know why. But um, yeah, it used to, I, I used to get my mum to turn it over. It used to freak, really freak me out when it used really? to come on. Yeah, really, really. I, I get Golden Brand, Let's Dance. I, I yeah, don't I get don't, that. I've never quite got to the bottom of that. Yeah. But yeah, so when when either of those two songs used to come on the radio, I'd be like, turn it over. Yeah. It used to make me think about dying, and I don't know. In what way? What do you mean? Like, you, you, what, your, your, your parents? I was quite dying, obsessed or? with death as a kid. Right. Um, and for some <laughs> reason, those two songs used to kind of make me. Remind me that we were all going to die one day. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, he was a fun kid, right? You're great. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, Golden Brown. I'm club in with you, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is as a young child, you know. But like, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, Golden Brown is about heroin, so that yeah. sort of makes sense. It's a, it's a, it's a strange, uh, sonically, it's it's a strange sound, isn't it, Golden yeah. Brown? Just that almost a sort of arpeggio of I don't know what the instrument is. Some sort of organ, isn't yeah. It? Yeah, and it's it's like it, it sounds it sounds grim. It sounds it sounds dark, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, and I remember seeing the video, and the video's pretty somber, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, it's it's a weird song, Golden Brown. Oh man, it used to freak me out. Really badly, like it really used to give me the heebie-jeebies. Like, Turn that off, I don't want to hear that. What was that emotion then? Fear. Um, it just to scare the life out of me. I don't know, I don't know why. That's crazy, isn't yeah. It? Weird. You caught with it now, love it, yeah, yeah, brilliant tune. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's. 
not that I'm relating the two, but then there's sort of it's that sort of thing with foods that I used to hate as a kid that I now love: olives, mushrooms, prawns. Yeah. Don't know if there's anything in that, but that's uh, you know that was definitely a tune that when it used to come on, I'm like I can't can't listen to it. Give it a few years. Get yourself a shrink and sit there on a chaise lounge <laughs> and then get to the bottom of all of this, yeah, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, there, there, some... Something will tie in with uh, yeah. the stranglers and mushrooms, mate. Um, so y- you mentioned there was music on, like, when you was driving about with your folks yeah. in the car. Was there music on at home? Yeah, like, my dad was a mod. Wicked. Like, yeah, sort of 63, 64. He used to come up uh, and go to sort of the Flamingo and the scene and all that. So I went to Brighton in 63 and 64, had a Lambretta and, you know, so yeah. he's a big music music head. My mum, big Beatles fan, hence Paul McCaffrey, you know, she was right. a big Paul McCartney fan. Actually, that's a good, my mum went to see them. They used to do like a matinee show and an evening show. Um, they played at the Gaumont in Southampton in 64 and she bunked off school with her mate to go and watch them and got caught because they had a picture of the fans waiting outside the venue on the front page of the local paper. My nan spotted uh, spotted my mum in the crowd. Wow. Yeah, and I keep meaning to try and sort of track that down because yeah. you go through the echo, you know, yeah, they've got the kind of archives or whatever. So oh, you th- should. That'd make a good Christmas present. Yeah. Yeah. So was, that, was Southampton where he was born? Yeah, born in Southampton. He grew up there? Grew up there, yeah, until I was sort of 18, then moved to London to pretty much as soon as I could, really. Yeah. Um, was coming up and stuffed to buy records. And yeah. So was the the kind of, the, I mean, looking at you now, I can see that that you know the mod stylings are still something that's obviously yeah some, something that that you're passionate about. Well, it's just the haircut, really. Yeah, I've never really labelled myself as a, a mod. Yeah. Or sort of, you know, it's just that, that it's just that's the haircut that yeah. sort of suited me. And yeah. Kind of, I've had it like this for on and off yeah. most of my adult life, really. So like, uh, I just it's. People go, oh, you're obviously a bit of a mod. I'm not really class myself yeah. as that. You know, I, I like bits of it. Yeah. And obviously... Um, I find it really strange, mod culture. Um, because I, I think... I, I interviewed Eddie Piller on here. Yeah. And and just... The, the, I mean, t- takes it... It's a way of life for him. Oh, Yeah. And, and and the conviction involved in it. And I listened to some of the radio shows he's done with, with Martin Freeman. And, yeah. And it's, for me, I just think I couldn't just commit musically and, 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 and fashion-wise to, to one kind of mindset. It's like, I find it quite limiting. No. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? I do. I mean, as we're, and obviously we're a similar age, so that was kind of how, how things were when yeah. we were growing up. And I think it's less like that now. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of tribalistic sort of thing where, you know, you would be into something and that would yeah. inform what you wore and, and, and you wouldn't listen to anything else as a, yeah. as a result of that. But, um, yeah, God, it looks tiring being a sort yeah. of mod to, you know, for, to, to that level, doesn't yeah. it? But, um, I mean, certainly... There, I have been into stuff to a level where I would have that 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 was kind of how I identified, and that was sort of. Um, I mean, when I the first, um, so obviously as I mentioned, the one stuff was the first band I went to see. But kind of when I was sort of fifteen, sixteen, and I'm sure you would remember this. It was sort of New Age Travellers was a kind of. I had some ill-advised dreads, mate. You did, right? Okay, so as, as did I. The convoy cut, so 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 a little bit down the back. And I didn't have that. I had like kind of short ones. I'd like to sort of call it the Arrested Development years. Yeah, yeah, I remember like, those. Uh, sort of kind of crop round the side and the yeah, shocking, mate. Shocking look. Um, yeah, shorts and uh, yeah. I just just seeing things like the stuffies and poppies and, and EMF. It was like this is a bit of me. This is and like uh, uh, yeah. I look back and think, but. 
it means everything then, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, uh, I guess at a young age, you're struggling to find an identity that that you you know that fits right for you and, and something that represents when you walk into a room. I guess like you know, people can kind of gauge what music you're into, and you're yeah. trying to make a bit of a start. I think you know, you're trying to make a bit of a statement. You yes, know, you, you see what I'm saying. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, then quite quickly as well at that sort of age. So then Acid House came along. Yeah. And myself and a lot of my friends kind of overnight changed what yeah. we were wearing and yeah. you know nose rings came out and yeah. kind of joysticks got put away and that kind of <laughs> that kind of thing and so that was uh we started dropping like flies people yeah. would be turning up in gazelles and kind of you know yeah. then sort of growing their hair out and stuff like that so um i think it's i actually watched a um the story of 1989, the top of the pop special thing last night. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, mate, it's great. And, and do you know what? It's like, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm teetering on 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 territory of sounding like a an old bastard and like my dad saying it. You know, it was better in my day. But aside from the fact that I was young at that age and and, and got it all at the right time, yeah. Just looking on that documentary, seeing Soul to Soul, seeing S Express, seeing the Roses, mm-hmm. seeing the Mondays, and uh, you know, and seeing you know e- even the more commercial things like you know your black boxes yeah. and, and you know the, the the kind of house music starting to make it onto the charts yep. and De La Soul and stuff. Like that. It was like what a fucking amazing hybrid oh. of music to come out in like a period of like two three years like that that changed everything. You know, it, like, you mentioned that rave culture, and for me, living in Essex. You know, the, the M25... Oh, God, yeah. We, we, we slapped Bam in the centre of it. But for me, I wasn't drawn as much to that. It was like seeing the Top of the Pops and seeing and, and hearing Fool's Gold, mainly Fool's Gold, and seeing Ian Brown, mm. it was weird. And I was like, what's this? Yeah. I, I want to know more about this. And and for some, you know, for, for a Southerner, for me, I was looking up north, just going, I, I want to go mm. to Hacienda. I want to know what that's all about. That, oh, man, like, don't I wish... Did, did you ever? Did you ever no, go? No, no, that's one of my <laughs> deepest. Yeah. You know, and I can remember older people that kind of coaches going up from yeah. Winchester, and you know, I was just too young. Yeah. I mean, when I was sixteen, I looked twelve. <laughs> so you know, it was like I was not going clubbing until I was eight. You know, until I was yeah, eighteen, yeah, yeah. and even then, it was like really. I was the same, mate. I was exactly the same. Um, all right. Well, for track three, let's go back a little bit, and we we'll go back to school, and yeah. uh, and and tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. So this is again, and I've listened to a couple of episodes, uh, and, and, and madness always comes up, and that would have been a, a choice for me. I think our yeah. house, you know, the school discos and, and and all the rest of it. But this song has a very, it, I can specifically, it, 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 it's running up that hill by Kate Bush, and it was um, the theme tune to a six-part children's drama. And every time I hear it, I can remember a corridor at my school. I can remember it being winter. And I actually looked this up when I was sort of, uh, you know, preparing the, the, the songs that I was going to, that, that I'd chosen. And that series came out in January 86, which would have been my first year of secondary school. And it's just so, for some reason, when I hear it, I could just remember being back in the corridors. It reminds me of... What was the series? It was called Running Scared. It was just a one-off, six-part children's drama. Um... I can't remember that much about it. I remember that being the theme tune, and I can remember in the opening credits, there was like an observatory tower at the top of a hill. That's it. Yeah. But it's just weird how that has stuck. I mean, there are others that kind of remind me. 
Angry Anderson suddenly, the, the theme tune to Scott and Charlene's <laughs> wedding. You know what? I saw... I've been, I, I love watching the vintage Top of the Pops, which anyone that listens to this podcast, I, I mention it generally every episode because right, there's yeah, some I kind like of it. cultural reference point to it. And, uh, and he was on there performing suddenly, obviously. Yeah. It's a tune, that. It is a fucking tune. I love it. Right? Yeah. Have you seen that before? He's a weird looking dude. Bald. Biker jacket? Yeah. He's, he's, he's got from a, a band called Rose Tattoo, if I remember. Was correctly. he? Yeah. Well, he, he so, had like yeah. a mouthful of teeth, like a, just looked like a raw bombed as he's he, like, <laughs> he, 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 he was a really odd dude. And, yeah. like, and the outfit, he had like a biker jacket it's on. It's like Buster Blood Vessel kind of vibe. A, yeah. If, yeah, if you bought a Buster Blood Vessel at a Primark, it was like, it was weird. It yeah. was like, and I just looked at him and I just thought, what a strange dude. And yeah. there was no band and he was just standing on stage on his own. And like, there was obviously like, they'd actually edited the performance to like kind of cut in pictures of Mrs. Mangle and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and obviously Scott and Charlene. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's one for me as well, that one. It was such a big show when yeah. we were at school. You know, yeah. I used to show it at sort of lunchtime yeah. in the afternoon. I used, to, I used to bunk off school quite a lot. So that yeah. would be, you know, you'd be sat around someone's house and neighbours would be on. Yeah. Littlest Hobo theme tune. That is one I'm amazed that an indie band's not done like a live lounge cover of that. Because that's, a, that's a, again, that is a great tune. It fucking is, mate. You know, sort of the kooks or something. I can imagine yeah, like Catfish absolutely. and the Bottlemen covering Definitely. it. Definitely. Like, yeah. Littlest Hobo theme. Oh, amazing. So you actually a Cape Bush fan aside from that track? Yeah, oh, massive. Yeah, yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, fantastic. Right. Um, Didn't get to go to the Apollo, um, which is another one of my regrets. We mate, we mate Pip, who... who, who um, you know, I, I got into all this podcasting through. He he got tickets and took his mum, oh, and, uh, and and I think they kind of shrink wrapped your phones when you went in so yeah. you can film anything yeah, yeah, or yeah. take photos, which yeah. is great, brilliant. You know, and that's yeah, like, was, look, yeah. fucking enjoy it. Don't yeah. don't be there just waiting to tell your mates and show your mates. You know, it's yeah, get lost in it. And I think if you're going to get lost in a, a performance, then Kate Bush is the one, oh, right? Man. Fantastic. Um, okay, um, how was school? It was all right. Uh, you know, the primary and secondary uh, primary school was good. Secondary school, I was quite small and sort of picked on a little bit and stuff like that. But kind of, um, I think that's what made me a comic. I was fun. I was you know funny at school and sort of uh, that kind of textbook. Yeah, kind of. I think so. Yeah, it's a well well trodden path, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, and then I guess kind of delinquent. 14, 15, started smoking pot, bunking yeah. off, you know, getting into music and stuff like that. So, what did you want to be at school? Oh, God. I don't think I was that. A, a, tra- a, tra- a, tra- a traveler, truth be told. That's kind of like I wanted to buy a bus and go and, uh, you know, that was that was the that that was very prominent where I yeah. where I grew up. I don't know how it was out in Essex, but there was a lot of the kind of sites around, and that's where we started going to free festivals and the kind of raves and stuff like that. So, so is this the whole kind of we 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 talking that sort of transglobal underground? Not so much that. No, that would be more trotsy, but sort of like you know, kind of where uh, Killage and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I guess, but there was more kind of bands that were sort of, uh, sort of known, like the Osric Tentacles would be yeah, like yeah, a big yeah, one. Yeah. Hawkwind were probably yeah. the most famous kind of sight band, if yeah. you want. Culture Shock, they're yeah. sort of more punky yeah. sort of stuff. So I kind of got the t- tail end of those festivals and a lot of them right. used to happen around. So Stonehenge isn't too far from me. Right. Obviously that stopped by the time I was of an age to be able to go. But, you know... I'd quite often be walking home from sort of town. We'd we'd stumble across these sort of parties by by accident. There'd be a roadblock near where one of us lived, and it'd be like, oh, like, there's a you know the convoy had come to where you were. 
she'd turn up, they'd have like a rave tent, they'd have a tent where they were playing dub reggae, then they'd have like what was called the Wango Riley's Travelling Stage, which is where the bands used to play. Would Michael, that have been like levellers and things like that? Levellers, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of stuff. So Michael Evish used to give them two fields up until 1990, which was the first year I went to Glastonbury, where the, the travellers would get two fields and yeah. so we would go there uh, and that's where the bands that I was into at that time would be playing so Hawkwind big you know I was big into them when I was sort of 15 16 still am you know still like them was it was it System 7 System 7 yeah, yeah. so that was Steve Hillage yeah so um, I think he's out and about now with Gong they've just that's toured right. this year yeah. Osric Tentacles played last year oh right yeah so we yeah and I went to see them at the Islington Academy was that last year or the year before anyway sometime recently Hawkwind's doing their 50th anniversary tour um, so yeah you still get joy from that music? Oh, from that music? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Again, you know, it's just that thing. That's what I was listening to when I was a yeah. kid. I had mates that were sort of B-boys that were into hip-hop, graph. Yeah. Pop was the thing that kind of, yeah. you know. And then that's, that's a crazy scene for a 15-year-old lad to be into. What, that, the, the sort of Hawkwind and that, stuff that like that? kind of new age traveller type thing, yeah. Yeah. I think quite a few of my mates at that time were as well. If they weren't yeah. into hip-hop. yeah. They were into that, and then I think that's when, when I say sort of acid house came along, and everyone that kind of was a bit of a leveler, really, yeah. where everyone sort of started getting into the same kind of thing. And then I guess really at that sort of time, when I started listening to that, my, my dress sense became a bit more what you would deem casual. Really, yeah. I kind of became a bit more into kind of designer labels and that sort of that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I've forgotten what the question was. But did you have a good bunch of pals? Yeah, so I'm still in touch with quite a lot of them now, really. Yeah. Most of them, I'd say. Yeah. Um, free music and, uh, yeah. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So, if you want to hear the songs... Just go over to Spotify and search off the beat and track. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Track four, the first record you remember buying. So, yeah. I think it would be Relaxed by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um... Oh, yes, this is the most 80s thing ever. I went on a date with a girl from my primary school and went and bought that on 7-inch from Woolworths. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I still have all four of those singles from that album. So that, Two Tribes, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome and The Power of Love, which I still think are just... That album's unreal. I listen to the New York mix of Relax, I reckon, at least twice a week. It's so good. Just the... the, uh, the Obviously, it's it's the, the the genius of Trevor Holmes' production. Oh, He's just off the fucking scale, and take nothing away from how good Holly Johnson's voice is. Incredible. And just again, you know, you talk about those sort of old top of the pops, and just sort of I was sort of sat on my computer when I was sort of having to think about these these tunes, and then you end up sort of going down sort of various rabbit holes. And I I, I was watching the video to Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, the twelve inch mix, and you're like. And this used to be on top of the pops. Yeah. This is incredible. You they know. didn't get it, did they? No. So, like, what a band. I, I, I remember going to, um, my dad was a docker in, uh, in, in, in Tilbury Docks and, and, we, and he'd go to, like, the working men's club. And it was 5p to put a song on on a jukebox. Mm. And I remember going in there and putting on Relax because I wanted to hear it. Yeah. Because everyone was telling me that it was banned. It was banned. Yeah. All, all, you know, it's, it's like, it's really, really, like, you know, rude. And I was thinking, right, and I put it on. And obviously, at, at this point, I'm probably like nine or ten. Yeah. And I was just thinking, what's rude about this? Just some guy that wants to chill out. Like, yeah. And, you know, obviously, as you, you get older, and then you start to realise just how strong the imagery was. Oh. How, you know, how confrontational what they were saying was. Yep. Fucking amazing. That record got to number one and the furore around it. I think it was there for a while as well yeah. and, and helped, you know, in no small part by the fact that it obviously was banned. And yeah. It, you know. And, and that feeling you have when you listen to Golden Brown about mortality, around that time was the whole kind of, was the C&D thing was happening and the whole kind of Cold War was going on, obviously two tribes. Yeah. That warning at the beginning of two tribes. Yeah, the, the that, air siren. Yeah, yeah that used to freak me out as well. What, that I got what you get out of Golden Brown there. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Haunting. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it was like, I think around then, was it when the wind blows? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the Briggs thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And all of that was happening. And I remember just thinking, oh, wow, we're, we're all going to die. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and, and that like, was the thing that probably cut through, just hearing them sirens... And, and them saying when you hear these sirens, blah, blah, it was like, fucking hell. Like, you know, we could, my mum and dad could die. Like, do they still do? Yeah, they, they, they don't seem to do those kind of government adverts where it's like, this is the end of the world sort of. That's a good thing. Right? Yeah. Because I, I, we've mentioned but we, before. But we really lucked out in that respect, didn't we? Well, two years later, we got the whole don't die of ignorance. Yeah, you know? the, the, the gravestone. The gravestone. Yeah, yeah. No, the we, first natural born smoker. Yes. Yeah. And, like, and you watch these things and you just think, that don't die of ignorance. You just think, Fucking hell, how yeah, yeah, insane yeah. was that? Like, crazy times. Like, just that, that just projecting fear upon everyone. Yeah, like, it was insane. Fucking terrible. Um, 
So you bought it in Woolworths. And so all, it was either that, or I also remember at that time buying Hole in My Shoe by Neil from oh, The Young sure. Ones, which I also listened to. That is a tune. It's a great tune. I don't know who did the music for that, but it sort of sat in that sort of slightly cod psychedelic way. Well, it was a cover, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't remember who the original... Was it Donovan? No. I think... Did he do? Hurdy-gurdy, yes. Was that the B-side, or yeah. was that on the album? That's on. That, I think that was the B-side, yeah. Because that, that was Donovan, Donovan wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, so maybe that's where I'm getting confused. Yeah, I'm not too we sure. We could Google it, but neither of us have got our phones. But, uh, yeah. Uh, is it, it feels like it was a cover. Oh, Holding My Shoe is definitely a cover. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, you... you Take nothing away from that period as well. Just as a comedian, like was, was you, was you woken by you know the young ones? Well, yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch it, I, and my mum would occasionally go, and my dad would let me watch it. I was, so, say, yeah. I was probably just at the age where I was maybe allowed to watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, so, was that and Kenny Everett were the two oh, you sort of mate. like, and 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 you'd want to watch it because there would be people that had been allowed to watch it at school. Yeah, and you're like, I want to be part yeah. of that conversation. There was so. always that gang at school that the sort of guys that had Stretch Armstrong and like <laughs> yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. had a really nice pair the of Theodora the, trainers. The, and, yeah. yeah, the Caterpillar. Yeah. Um, what are they called? The Catapult. The what? The Black Widow. Black Widows. Yeah, yeah them kind of guys turning you know. up at eight seven with an air rifle. <laughs> Four pack of special brew. They were allowed to watch the young ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, they were the guys that had Texas Chainsaw Massacre on pirate. Yeah, yeah, quite. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, but I can remember the, the book and all of that. What was what was that called? The- I bought them both. I bought the young ones book and I bought How to Be a Complete Bastard by yes. Aid about three weeks ago, and they're by the side of my lab now. Oh, and, fantastic! Uh, and I've gone back and I've been I've been reading them again. Uh, um, they. They sort of hold up, but yeah. The, but the show, like, I mean, what what was your kind of entry point into sort of comedy that knocked you sideways, where you just thought this is a bit of me? This is so weird, and again, these are these sort of things where, not that the first one I would say makes it sound like I'm trying to be cool, but the the, the first comedy I can remember watching as a kid, and I don't know what this says about me or why it resonated me, was the uh, the the fall and rise or the rise and fall of Reginald Parent, cool, which is. Not adult in like a dirty way, but that is a very adult show. It's about a guy trapped, you know, in his life. And, and There's a lot of layers to that, isn't there? And I used to love that. And also, I can remember watching what they show Woody Allen, Harold Lloyd also. That was, yeah. a, that was a big one for me. Yeah. I used to really BBC enjoy that. Two, six o'clock. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. before Monkey. Yeah. Um, Just after Rolf's Oh, we don't want to talk about that show anymore, <laughs> do we? <laughs> but uh, yeah, Woody Allen films. Watching those on sort of my right. black and white TV up in my bedroom, so sort of kind of solid stuff. Yeah. Um, what about the kind of the, the alternative comedy side of things? You know, because there's you know we hit that era. I say we. I know I'm a couple of years older than you, but even in like the nineties, with like you know Vic and Bob and, and things. Yeah. Like, that, like we, 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 I sort of missed that actually. Um, I think once I sort of went on that part of kind of bunking off school and going around friend's house and get, getting stoned or whatever, yeah. that kind of felt slightly more, you know, sort of uni student sort definitely, of. yeah. Do, do, do you know that definitely way? Definitely that, yeah. I kind of felt like I'd kind of gone to a slightly more outside yeah. path okay. at that point, really. So I was more interested in just music and getting stoned, going yeah. to festivals, parties and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, no, I'd say that period of comedy really passed me by. Vic and Bob, um, it was the Mary Whiteass experience. Yeah, it was student comedy. Yeah. It was student comedy. Yeah, uh, didn't really mm. enter into my world at that time. But at your age, if you're getting to experience <coughs> these 
illegal raves in fields. I mean, yeah. you know, I'd rather have been doing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, regret it. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what, let's, let, before, we, you know, we, we spoke about, um, you know, you, I guess that's almost your in, introduction to clubbing. What about gigs? What was the first gig you went to? The Wonder Stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah sorry. Southampton sorry, Uni yeah. on the Groovers on Manoeuvres Tour. I think it was October 88. Wow. So that was still basing in playing for him there before he passed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I saw them at Reading that year. So when, what year did he die? I don't want to get this one wrong, but I, I reckon... 89? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he was definitely in the first time I saw him. Yeah. I also saw him at Reading. I think it might have been the following summer. I don't know whether it was between yeah. those two. But yeah, that was the first gig I ever saw, one of stuff. Um, so that was good. Can you remember who supported? Yes, the Darling Buds. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and I have a signed single that they were selling and signing at the merch table. Brilliant. Uh, which I've still got, yeah. Which one? Was it Crash that they did? Or no, was that, no was that was Primitives. Yeah. Which one did they do? That they had a big yeah, hit. Yeah, uh, it was... Oh, God, that's going to drive me out of the wall now. No. Whatever it is, that's what I've got. It's like a seven-inch box single. So, was no. was buying records something that you got into? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to the same level as a lot of my friends, although now I am. Um, obviously, I spend a lot of time on the road as a comic. Um and so kind of my thing in my various periods of trying to stay out of the pub, it's a sort of like I'll go yeah. and uh, sort of go to the record shop. I know sort of where all the good record shops yeah. are now. Sort of, I'm in Cardiff, I'll go uh, wherever I am, I'll sort of go. So that, that's a good way of killing an afternoon. Yeah. You've got a lot of time to kill when you're yeah. on the road as a comic. So that's that's my thing. So, But I've always collected them to varying degrees, yeah. really. Okay. Um, but I've never DJed per se as a lot of my friends did yeah never fancied that I've played at mates parties and stuff like that you know and I still would do now yeah um, but um, it, I, I've never sort of identified as a DJ yeah, if you close, want close. Um, but uh, yeah I've got like a mate of mine used to own flying records for example right. and sort of like you know so a lot of my mates are in that yeah. world um certainly used to go to the heavy well, I guess we'll probably talk about well, let's more, get on to yeah. that now then yeah. because for track five it is the song that soundtrack your clubbing years yeah so this was an odd one really because um, I wanted to pick a, we- a Weatherall production because he's just I'm a I'm a, I'm a a Weatherall obsessive you yeah. know and have been since for me day one yeah. really you know like a kind of um, Sabre, I've seen him so many times. I still go to Convenenza over the yeah. festival that he does in France. I went this year. Um, I went for Spastic by Plastic Man just because at the time I kind of started sort of clubbing, which would have been about 93. Had you moved to London by then? Uh, I was just about to. Okay. I was kind of coming up from Winchester, but like, um, yeah, I was sort of, I think I moved up 94. What what drew you to London? Because when I, when I set this podcast up, that was one of the things that I initially wanted it to be about, like people that live outside of, of the capital and, and how where they grew up has affected them and, and has so many people that in the, you know, in the creative industries, whether that be production, music, comedy, whatever, feel that kind of pull to, to, to come to London. What was it that, that, that drew you to London? I mean, just... Music, obviously, is yeah. the kind of... I mean... It's just 
been so sort of omnipresent through kind of punk for me, you know, that kind of uh, sort of watching documentaries about the Roxy, you know, the kind of through... Um, I mean, so as a as a kid, this would this would be as I was sort of sixteen, seventeen. We used to kiss FM when you have like Colin Favor and Colin Dale and stuff like that. And actually, Weatherall uh, did a few kind of guest spots, the Saber Sonic Wireless, Wireless Extravaganza. We'd be kind of trying to pick up Kiss on like a. I could just about get it on a coat hanger if I sort of put it at the right position outside of my window. So it's important to mention to people just. What an important station Kiss was at that point, and and obviously what it is now is is a shadow of what it was. It oh was, man, you know, it was it was the epicenter of of, of dance culture, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you had like fancy FM and stuff yeah. like that, but that would be people. So it was stuff like that, you know. In terms of what drew me to London, you'd have. You know when someone would have that tape that would go round and everyone, you'd, you'd can I can I borrow it? Can I get yeah. a copy of it? And so it would be like a, um, DJ hype on Fancy FM from like nineteen eighty eight, yeah. nineteen eighty nine. You know that was this, this whole kind of it just had this sort of mystical. Yeah. For me, it's like London. Oh my god! Like yeah. The clothes shops. So we'd come up and go to Passenger. Do you remember that shop yeah. on Beak Street? We had Mash. Mash was the shop. Yeah, I remember that on Carnaby Street. Yeah. Was that Tottenham Court Road? I think it was. I might be wrong. Or Oxford Street. You uh, had the Jeep, you literally yeah, had yeah, Jeep yeah. parked in there. What was, so there was Four Star General that was in the bottom of, was that not Mash? That was, uh, I can't remember. Chockey's Tunes was in there as well. That's right. So all, yeah. of the, all of this stuff. So yes, I do remember Mash. That was just off Oxford Street, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, Salt of Soul Shop. But all of that. So, you know, you'd come up, you'd get trainers, you'd, you, you know, a, 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 a trip to London when I was sort of 16, 17, you'd come back with your passenger carrier yeah. bag with your kind of whatever it was you'd bought, pair of trainers. A lot of my friends, obviously, as I say, were big into hip-hop, so they'd be coming back with troops and yeah. kind of, you know, the tag belts that they used to yeah. wear with their... Uh, um, just all of that, really. Yeah. Which I suppose maybe, I think I wouldn't have had such an obsession with it had I have actually grown up in London, maybe, yeah. oddly. Um it was more special because you would be making this sort of yeah. pilgrimage if you like to yeah. come up and it's like, uh, so I can remember going to Fat Cat Records. That was sort of, I can remember seeing Wetherill in there a couple of times and being like, oh, fucking hell, it's Wetherill, you know, yeah. sort of uh, uh, when it was in Covent Garden, Rough Trade, uh, underneath Slam City. Mm-hmm. It's just all of these things, you know, it was uh, just so exciting for me to come up yeah. here and go to those sort of places. And then the first... Um, Sort of clubs we used to go to, used to go to Strut, uh, the Cross, um, Eurobeat 2000 at uh, Turnmills. The kind of, the, the, and then various different sort of, Saber Sonic at Happy Jacks, and then when it moved to, uh, was it Venus, the strip club or whatever it was on, uh, uh, I forget the name of the road, but anyway, but then the kind of club that I probably went to the most uh, was the Heavenly Social when that was at Turnmills. That was sort of, uh, when I'd moved to London and there was a period where I'd be going in there most Saturdays. Um, Who did you see there? Oh God, everyone. Um, so a mate of mine actually um, used to play bass in Death in Vegas. So um, he used to play records down there quite a lot, Matt Flint. So we'd sort of go down when he was playing quite a lot. Obviously the Chemical Brothers were there all the time. Um, Alex, Alex Knight, um, for, who... Fat Cat, who is Fat Cat Records, I suppose, and um, Weatherall saw Bobby Gillespie playing records in there once. Tim Burgess, um, oh, I mean, that's a good time to be at that club. Yeah, 
I just missed the Albany annoyingly. Yeah. Um, and then there was an interim period, I think, where it was at Smithfields. Is that the place? Do you remember that place? They used to have a night called the Big Kahuna Burger there. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, um, And then, obviously, it moved to Turnmills and it was there. Yeah. So, so I went to the first night of that when they, they, they just reopened it and there was a problem with the plumbing. And I think everyone just got soaked in piss. Nice. Uh, from, the, like, the, 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 yeah, the kind of... Uh, what, what, what did you want from clubbing at that age, Paul? Uh, what did you want and what did you get? What did I want and what did I get? I don't know. I just wanted to be part part of it, I guess. I just wanted to sort of... That's a really big question. Um, uh... Was girls on the? You know, was it about girls? Was it about drugs? Was it about the music? Or was a it little, about, a little bit, a little bit yeah. of that? Yeah, obviously, but but that that wasn't the 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 main yeah. thing. Did you feel like you was part of something that was exciting? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just used to excite me to, mm. to you know. I can remember going to Scotland nights around here. A lot of you know, um, kind of I could well I can remember going carnival weekend which i think would have been about 93 and richie horton was playing in like a disused office block um off uh york way and just that just the excitement of that yeah. you know dark dingy um i don't know it's hard to put into words yeah. isn't it you just that communal did you feel you got what you wanted though oh 100 percent. yeah every time excellent yeah um, I wish I'd been able to articulate that better now. That sort of feels like a squandered opportunity. It's a big question. But it is, it is a big question. You know. But it is, it is, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I guess I just wanted to be part of it. I'd sort of, you know, I'd watched it from the outside. I suppose, as I say, I was kind of a very young looking young man. So when I was old enough to go, uh, I, 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 I just wanted to be on the inside of yeah. what I'd been looking at from the it's outside. It's all to be really. at that age, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Um, and there's, yeah. So, for track six, um, I'll, I'll just go back quickly. So, in, in regards to clubbing, w w was mainstream clubbing ever of interest to you? Them kind of tan clubs, like, you know, in, in, in your hometowns where it would play kind of commercial dance music. And, you know, was that ever on the agenda where you'd go out on a Thursday night to try and... Yeah. You know? I mean, only just because that was the last port of call. So, there yeah. was a, um, where I grew up, there was not really a club as such, but there was a place called Charles House, which was uh, above a Chinese restaurant, and they had a three o'clock license and a DJ playing, like you say, and they'd be playing like Blur, Girls and Boys and stuff like yeah. that. But it was kind of, I guess, more of a cheesy sort of nightclub. Yeah. So that's where you'd swear to yourself every week that you weren't going to end up there, and then you'd be like, oh, "I'm not going up Charlie's tonight," and then you know you'd inevitably bump into the person you'd been having that conversation with in yep. the queue. Yeah, going up there trying to pull girls yeah. and kind of... We've yeah. all been there, Yeah, standard, standard small town fare. Okay, well, um, whilst we're talking about um, towns, I want to I go back to your hometown and for track six, uh, a favourite song from an artist from your hometown. Yeah, well, um, Carl Barrett is from Basingstoke, so I've gone for Can't Stand Me Now by the Libertines. Solid tune, mate. Great band, you know, one of my, one of my bands, as it were, mm. like a big into them when they sort of... Uh, arrived and still still go and see them now. And I think they've got a very similar approach to w when you spoke about, you know, some of the early kind of stuff like, the, the you know, Acid House and things like that. 
um, I know Gary from the Libertines. All right, and, yeah. And, and when he he come and, and and recorded the podcast with me quite a while ago now, and uh, and I was chatting to him about the kind of the early early sort of days of of the Libertines. Yeah. Um, to, to the point where the press got hold of them and it ex- mm. and it felt like it exploded, yeah. didn't it? And it was it was a oh, was it two thousand and two maybe yeah. around them. Yeah. And 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 he was saying that. You, you know, when we look at like, you know, a lot of the things you've said today, whether it be coming to London for record shopping, train shopping, there, there's a journey involved in yeah. it. And, and I love that. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the things, again, you know, talking about, you know, maybe falling into old bastard territory that I feel sometimes might not exist as much. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, but he would say that um, when, when they'd go to sort of sand check and things like that, Pete would disappear. And I guess the press would write that he disappeared to all sorts of things, but he wouldn't. He would disappear to an internet cafe, and it was all about the forums. Yes. And he would be there chatting to everybody about the Libertines gig and then what, what squat they were going to go to afterwards to do this kind of party. Yeah. And, and he said he just was so driven and focused on pushing that band from grassroots up and and that never really gets spoken about because he become tabloid fodder and and you know and they they didn't talk about the kind of amazing stuff that 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 that, that band and Pete was doing. Yeah, it all become about the drugs and Kate Moss and and, yeah. and, and all of that. But I just it was really interesting to see that he created. You know, he he was smart because he he was writing for like fanzines yeah, and stuff right, as yeah, well, wasn't he? And, yeah, the yeah. QPR fanzine. That's right. Sorry, just 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 to interject and just just you saying this and just to answer an earlier question. I think what I wanted from clubbing and what I got was excitement. I think yeah. that's yeah. So just hearing you talking yeah. about this now, it excites me. Yeah, that kind of whole stuff is what. Yeah. I love hearing stuff yeah. like that, stuff that I didn't know. Yeah. Music documentaries, when I watch one that I've not seen and I discover it's that, Paul, that kind of... Night Before Last, um, I bought it on DVD. I don't buy many DVDs anymore, but yeah. I bought it on DVD and, and I grew up watching him on kids' TV and I'd never really sort of understood it. I used to see him like, you know, on, on the lower parts of the bills and some of the stages at Reading in the early 90s. Yep. But have you watched the Frank Sidebottom documentary? No. Fucking hell. It, it, Have I? It's called Being Frank, and it was it was on. Um, no, it's not. It's called the Chris Seavey story. That Fastbender made a film called Being Frank. I've about, seen that. Right. Yes. This is a documentary. Yeah, yeah. About no, Chris I've not Seavey. seen that. No, no. It's everything that we've spoken about in regards to just creating something and, and making it super exciting and just pursuing these kind of crazy ideas for excitement. It's encapsulated in this documentary yeah. in the best possible way. Honestly, mate, just watch it. Okay, I will do, and yeah. It's it, it, it only the fact it was on TV two nights ago that I was yeah. literally frantically, frantically texting all my mates going, it's on TV now, watch what it. What was it on? Is it, will I be able to Sky get Arts. catch up? Okay, so I'll be and, able to catch uh, up on that then, yeah. Oh, mate, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know why I've just digressed it. Sorry, you no, said music about excitement. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, you know, any of those kind of things where yeah. it's, yeah. So, and, and, that, and that was what I wanted from clubbing, and that yeah. is what I got. Yeah. You know, that kind of, the pre- clubbing nerves that yeah. you would get before you went out you know what am I going to wear like oh, just butterflies in yeah. my stomach the journey right don't get that anymore but yeah. like I can remember just start in the morning wake up and go oh my god I'm going to yeah. wherever it was on any given night yeah. meeting up for drinks beforehand couple of lines or whatever yeah, you know yeah, whatever yeah. it was it's just like ah man yeah oh so going back to the libs what what kind of attracted you to them because, I mean, we, we've skipped over the 90s, really, and, and we, we touched on Oasis and things yeah. like that. So, uh, 
you know, we spoke a lot about the kind of heavenly social and, yeah. and, and the kind of more sort of dance side of, 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 if we call it indie. And there was a real crossover there. And, and there know, was, that was kind massively. of like, and I mean, and that was a, I can remember a friend of mine being in there when Noel was in there, and I could, that a couple of times where I was, and that was the night that I'd not gone tipping. Yeah. Fucking joking me. <laughs> Mate, so was, was guitars big for you as well? Was that yeah. like throughout all of this period, was you still following like the indie stuff and. No, 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 no. That, I'd say that came. I mean, like Britpop, I'm talking. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was into the Smiths as a, you know, as a young, like thirteen, fourteen year old, yeah. The Cure. So yeah. like, um, but then dance music was, f- yeah. f- for want of a better label, that was that was my thing yeah. up until about ninety five. So I didn't get onto Oasis stra- straight away okay. because that wasn't what I was where I was at at that sure. time. You know, I was sort of a, and then I would say sort of early, or it was probably Glastonbury '95 actually, where that 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 then became a, and again they just felt like a band that I've been waiting for. My dad had been a mod. I kind of felt a little bit shortchanged that we had not had that. Yeah. You know, we did have rave, but that was still slightly fractured. Yeah. You know, people came to that with their own kind of version of it. It wasn't yeah. sort of, you know, you had the more crusty element that we talked about, like where you had the the, the mega dog or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, and there was people there with dread, dreads, you know, and then there was the casuals that had come to it yeah. and the hip hop sort of heads that, had, you know, so it kind of felt a bit more, never used this phrase before and it makes me feel slightly sick, but a melting pot, you know, you yeah. know. Whereas with Oasis, it kind of, although it didn't have a label, it was a thing. You know, that was, people started dressing in a certain, or certain people started dressing in a way. A lot of people did. Yeah, I certainly was one of them. For, for someone that had, had, had been running a, you know, a, a, an alternative nightclub for five years at this point, yeah. in, by 95, um, up until then you'd had, you know... Grunge, you know, you'd had the explosion of Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and stuff like that, and and it become huge. Yeah, but it still isolated the terraces and the lads that were lads. Yeah, and then you know you had all the time you had you know Stuffies and EMF and Suede and things like. That. It still didn't really lend itself to that culture. Yeah, then all of a sudden these two brothers come out in Adidas talking about fighting fucking whatever mm. with fuck off tunes. Yeah. All of a sudden I saw my indie club get absolutely mobbed with people that would never have yeah, stepped yeah. foot in there yeah. before. And then these people that it opened the doors, you know, and, and I know it's no incredible Nebworth uh, yeah. he basically killed the indie scene and he did I, I, I honestly think you know to a degree he did it was like it, it, you know because not that I've got that elitist thing about me where well, you know you don't really get this this isn't it's not what I'm trying to say but no. it felt that all of a sudden these people that bought definitely maybe or or, or um, uh, Morning Glory all of a sudden then bought a pulp album or a blur album yes and then a supergrass yeah, album yeah yeah 100% and, like, and then it they were like a gateway drug, and it, yeah. and it was, yeah. and and it, and it become pop music. It become popular music, and then I think from that point onwards, you've got to dig even deeper to kind of find that kind of underground indie scene that that 
I think was was always bubbling and and I think that Oasis just kind of just took it to a different dimension and, and I'm not hating on them for that at all I, I love Oasis yeah but I, I do think it it massively changed but they also came from culture. that sort of I mean Noel particularly sort of came from that acid house you know hacienda so yeah. you could hit live forever that kind of totally feels like a natural progression from Completely. that. And I was so excited to hear that he was working with David Holmes. Yeah. Like, oh, fan, you know, I, I don't know, a lot of people, uh, or, or certainly Oasis fans, perhaps don't like the stuff that he's done. I think it's. Like, Have you heard him on the Soda Jerker podcast? No. Soda Jerker's a really good music podcast. Right. Um, and he's sitting there talking to these two guys about um, how he's put his recent album together. Yeah. And the way that he talks about David Holmes, he's in awe of him. Yeah. And he talks about how they made that album and it's fucking incredible. I saw him at the Heavenly Social, just to go back to an earlier question. David, David Holmes. Holmes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What a dude he is. Yeah, he's a cool one. Um, but yeah. So back to the libs. Sorry, we've digressed yeah, so again, yet again. Just to, well, as, as I mentioned to you before we started, Sort of chatting uh, on here, I sort of used to run a pub um, on Caledonian Road called the Islington Bar, um, which kind of was sort of like a 250 capacity sort of DJ bar. They mm. could, w- was kind of what you would have called it at the time. And so the guy that used to promote the nights there was a guy called Steve Blonde. I don't know if you know him. He used to promote Fabric when it first okay. opened up. So um, we'd have the plump DJs used to do the Saturday, right. and so like Scruff would do the Friday. Nice. So it was it was that, that was cool. Um, and when Fabric first started, we 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 would finish uh, the bar was shut too. We'd clean up and then go down there from three till six. That was most weekends. Yeah. So that was that was cool. When I remember the Libertines. I think the first interview I read, obviously the tunes was the first thing that attracted me. What a waste was the first thing I heard. Then up the bracket, which they released as a single, I think I'm right in saying, prior to the album. That's right. And then reading interviews that they'd worked in Filthy McNasty's, which was just around the corner. And I was like, oh my God, this is kind of like, we've almost felt like we've been leading parallel yeah. lives. So that was attracted. And then, you know, they had that, they had that look and that... Um, yeah, just they, their own world that they inhabited. Like you say, the guerrilla gigs, the squat yeah. parties, the kind it's of... exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I saw them early. I saw them, they toured that... Um, up the bracket, they toured the single and I saw them at Southampton at the Joiners Arms. There's about 50 people in there and I was like, these are fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've continued to be so on and off ever Do since. you still go and watch them? Yeah, yeah. I've seen them in the last couple of months, yeah. Decent? Brilliant. At better now than they ever have yeah. been actually I'd say um, the last few years have yeah. been really really good brilliant when they were first and then there was a couple of years where I'd say they could be a bit hit and miss perhaps yeah. but um, yeah yeah the tracks will do that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last track mate yeah. uh, a song that many may not know and you would like them to hear so you can be DJ now yeah well I struggle with this one because I don't want to sort of like I, 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 I'm only, I've picked this one because it always surprises me when I sort of mention this to people and they've not heard it. Because I think for me, it's my, probably my favourite Bowie track and it's Everyone Says Hi by David Bowie. I don't know if this is a song that you were familiar with. Before. I, I, I do know it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's off the Heathen album, which I can't remember when that came out. But um, it's fucking brilliant, man. Such a good tune. Um, and uh, yeah, I've picked it for no, no other reason than... than well, you weren't going to pick Less Dance, was you? No, definitely not. I don't want to hear that again. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, yeah, 
It would have been that or, or something by James, because I sometimes think that they're a band that people uh, only know one song of. Okay, that's interesting. You know, they're a big band for me. Okay. I'll always go and see them, and I'm a, yeah. you know, I'm a big fan. And they've got so... I mean, their greatest hits, I would say, the first 10 tracks on that album are, you know, like, Jesus Christ. People forget how incredible Tomorrow is. What a tune. Like, let's high five that. Mate. Yeah, man. What a fucking tune that is, mate. So good. Like, um, Sometimes. Uh, I mean, oh. Tomorrow is, yeah, it's an extraordinary Say song. something. There's yeah. so many. And I remember reading an interview with Eno. Yeah. And they asked him, who's the most prolific band you've ever worked with? And he said, James. Brilliant. He, he said, them boys can sit in a studio and just churn out hit after hit. Every time they sit down, they will write something and I'm just open mouthed at it. Well, I went to see them actually at the. Um, I've been very lucky that I've kind of got to know people that work for them, or whatever. So I've occasionally get invited to go along, and uh, they did a gig at the Albert Hall in Manchester. Um, it was just after the. It was for the uh, Manchester, the victims of the Manchester bombing. So, okay. Uh, I think it was two Decembers ago, and um, so they did. Uh, as they sort of often do, like they did a couple of different sets. The first of which was them sort of showing their songwriting process. So they would jam and then kind of Tim Booth would kind of like sort of using the voice and instruments so and then start putting sort of words to it just wow. to show their songwriting process. Yeah. Fucking fascinating, yeah. man. Um, and yeah, like you say, just so prolific. And so many good, like good songs. Yeah. Um, and, and so many good overlooked. albums actually. If you yeah. listen to Laid, oh, mate, what an album! Mate. And actually, they've got the, there's an expanded version of that which has got all because I think Eno produced that one. I think that's I'm right. right he did, yeah. And so there's kind of like a expanded version of that which is over about six discs. Because didn't they do some sort of experimental thing around that point as well? Didn't they? Is that tonight? At the, the, the night before and the morning after or something like that I'm trying to think so I remember on the single of Say Something the flip side of it was like this kind of almost sort of experimental sort of dance type thing I'm trying to think what the the thing was they'd done around that point but it, it, it you could tell it was Eno yeah like but but even like moving forward like stuff like Fred Astaire and that they're like oh what I mean that beautiful album's records. great Millionaires yeah. yeah that Fred well I was going to have that as our first dance actually really yeah and then it, but the, yours and your wife's not ours yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, to clear this desk um <laughs> But uh, but it wasn't it, it, that it was that was my yeah. choice, you know. Like yeah. I was, like, I think it would be such a great first dance. Yeah. But yeah, and even then, they're a band. I don't know if you've heard Le Petit more, the uh, more recent album. So moving on, yeah. Like, you go like they're still, yeah. That's as good a song as they've ever yeah. done. Yeah, uh, uh, um, it's weird when people, you know, I'm rightly so when people talk Joy Division, New Order, Stone Roses, Smiths. Uh, I don't know why they don't get thrown in there. I think it's sit down. Yeah. I really do think that, that, you know, that was such a bit. And again, that I kind of associate with that university period that we're talking around. Vic and Bob, the Mary Whitehouse, sit down, snake bite, dungarees. You know, it, it really does have that. I mean, I, I was all over that. I had I had two T-shirts. I had a black long sleeve one with sit down written along the bottom of the back. Yeah, yeah. And, and the T-shirts, fantastic. Oh, mate, it was, it was the era of the T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. And I had the, I had a white long sleeve one with come, come written on the front and home, home on, on the, the back. back yeah. Oh, mate. Oh, what I do have that now. Um, yeah, and it was just, they were one of, I had a, a VHS of them playing I pres- might have been the G-Mex yeah 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 and it's t- Tim's still got big curly hair yeah. still dancing like a fucking lunatic and I'm watching them do 
how was it for you at that? I mean, I'm, I'm getting sort of goosebumps talking about it. He's such a good front man. Yeah. Yeah, it really but is. live, the, yeah. I mean, again, I've seen them a lot. They're yeah. so good. Yeah. I can't think what track it was. It, it, it was probably laid, and there's, there's a video of it, and I, and I watched it a little while ago at the Isle of Wight Festival, and I think, like, Edith Bowman's on stage. I mean, it's like they get all the crowd on stage. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm just watching it. And, and I know a lot of people look at him dancing and think, tit. But I, I look at him and think, he's fucking lost in that. Yeah, yeah. And like, and that's what I want. I want something that's, that's legit. And yeah. that's legit, he, yeah. you know. And, and I, you watch it and it's, it's fucking joyous, mate. It, it really is. And, and I think they're just so overlooked as, as, as brilliant it's songwriters. And, and, and as... As indie dance floor fodder as it is, sit down to fucking great record. Brilliant, it's Absolutely a brilliant record. great record. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and and the the fact that the lyrics, it's a fa- it's a fantastic song. Yeah, and it's the, the reason it's so big is because of all of them things. It's yeah, because it's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And it and it's, I guess you know, it, it can be a, a you know a rope around your neck to a degree, but it it shouldn't be because it you know it should be looked at as a gateway into exploring the fucking back catalogue of James, which yeah. is you know immense. And I always recommend that when people are like, oh, what, the sit that the, the one that they'd say, I'm like, mate, honestly, yeah. you can get their best of on yeah. Amazon for 20, you know, CDs now. You go, or just go on Spotify. Yeah. I'm telling you now, that, I think that's, the, for me, the best, best of. It takes some beating, mate. Yeah. Is, is, is it called All Out To Get You on that? Is it yeah. Called, is it called Out To Get You? I'm not sure if it's on there, but yeah, Out To Get You, yeah. yeah. I think it might be like one of the closing tracks. I might be, I'm Insecure. not sure. Oh, I mean, he's got a great voice. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this is a great, um, what's on Millionaires. Um, oh, someone's got it in for me, you know yeah, that song? Tune. Yeah, tune. Getting away of it. You could go on yeah. and on and on and on and on. Yeah. And, you know, I don't doubt that their next album might be fucking great as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, okay, so Paul McCaffrey, uh, what are you up to? What's going on? Uh, I'm at the comedy. Oh, I'm, I'm on tour, most importantly. So okay. that, uh, um, that starts in February. Okay. Uh, so 25 dates around, you know, the major parts of the UK. No offence to anyone. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not coming to fucking wherever. But uh, yeah, so yeah, 25 dates. So that's my own sort of solo tour. Second one. Okay. First one. Enough people came to make me think I'll do that again. Wonderful. And uh, yeah. Where can people find out about where you're playing? Uh, my website, just paulmccaffrey.com. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we, if it's right with you, we'll tag you in all the posts when we put this Please out. Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Mate, it's been a joy. Good. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There you have it. Thank you very much for listening. What a gem Paul was. After we pressed stop, we carried on having a right old chat about James. And uh, and it was, a, it was a real pleasure to, to sit down and have a chat with him. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll try and get Paul back on to do one of the, uh, the live gig specials that we've done with um, Jags and John Kennedy recently. Um, also, if you um, really enjoy this podcast and you want to hear more um, from me and music, then I have a Patreon to accompany this podcast. So just go over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search off the beaten track, and I'll put up a, an episode each week over there as well. All that leaves me to do is say thanks ever so much for listening. Um, if you see me on the socials, give us a like, love, share, message, retweet, whatever it takes, and um, subscribe if you want, or, or leave us a little message, um, or a comment, or a whatever they call it. You know what I'm trying to say, um, because it's nice to be nice. And I will see you next time. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again.
I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.